Want to know why your interiors or images don't look like the ones you see on your favorite social media feeds? What if I said I could let you know and show you what's missing and how to transform your spaces with clarity and confidence? The truth is creating beautiful interiors is simple when you know the right strategies, but most people go about it the wrong way. This is why I created the Styling Masterclass. It's the only program that simplifies the art and science of styling, giving you the clarity and confidence to take your interiors to the next level and attract your dream customers or clients so you can make your creative dreams finally possible. This is for you if you're an interior designer or photographer, have an Airbnb, a homeware shop or e-commerce business, and you want your interiors to look like the ones you see in your favorite books, magazines or Instagram accounts. Come learn how to style using my signature method so you can elevate any interior and create compelling imagery, which is your most effective marketing tool if you're selling a product or service in the world of interiors. Any successful business owner knows that styling is your secret weapon to cut through the visual noise, stand out from the crowd and grow your business. Styling is something that you don't want to leave to chance. In today's world, images are everything. This is why leading interior designers and architects always use stylists to finesse their spaces for photography to make sure they've got incredible imagery that they can use for their socials and website. Come learn how to make styling not only an essential element, an easy way to create content for your socials and website, but learn how it can propel the growth of your creative business. If you're serious about creating beautiful interiors and a business you love without struggling in obscurity, this is the program for you. I'm going to share my process and give insights that you're not going to get anywhere else because I've been working as a professional interior stylist for the past 15 years. The Styling Masterclass will give you that clarity and confidence you need to take action and connect with your dream customer or client so you can make your creative dreams possible. Go to nataliewalton.com forward slash next level to learn more and enroll now. Enrollments are open for only a short time. So please, if you're interested and you're ready to take your interiors to the next level, go to nataliewalton.com forward slash next level. I'm Natalie Walton and this is Imprint a podcast about creating a home and life you love. Each week, I'm here to share with you some of the biggest lessons I've learned during my career and life. Some of them I wish I'd learned a lot sooner because they would have saved me a huge amount of time, stress, and even money. Many of these ideas could have accelerated my journey as a creative and business owner. I also feature interviews with inspiring creatives, entrepreneurs, and experts to help you focus on what's most important in your life. Today, I'm going to focus on one of the big lessons that I've learned. But before we start today's episode, I want to let you know that I've created a free mini styling masterclass. If you'd like to learn how to create beautiful interiors using what you've already got, I will run you through the principles of the art and science of styling so that you can create a home you love without making unnecessary mistakes or even costly purchases. Plus, if you join me for this free training, I've got a couple of bonuses for you too. All you have to do is register at nataliewalton.com 
forward slash mini styling masterclass. That's nataliewalton.com forward slash mini styling masterclass. Okay, back to today's episode. Hello, everyone. I hope you're all well. It's another beautiful sunny day here in Byron Bay. It's that funny period of time between when the builders have finished up and my children are coming home. So again, I'm going to try and do this as quickly as I can without any mistakes so I can get it first go. Today, I wanted to answer a question that someone emailed a little while back, and it's something that I think many of you might struggle with or have questions about. I like recording the podcast in this way, answering specific questions, but ones that many of you might be able to relate to. So let me know what you think. And if you have any questions, you can email me at podcast at nataliewalton.com. Okay, so to our reader's question, she says, how did you pluck up the courage to follow your dreams? Did it feel like you were taking risks during the process? Did you have to overcome any negative feedback as a designer? If so, how did you overcome that negativity? The reason I ask this is because my journey as a creative has been tumultuous. I achieved an honors degree in design, visual communications, back in 2007. I immediately got an internship at a design firm after graduating, however soon became disillusioned with design due to a ruthless boss who stole my confidence. As a result, I pivoted my career into marketing. I am now a mother of three and currently on maternity leave. I have a desire to re-enter the creative industry, but I'm rather petrified of how to do so. Thank you so much for sending this question through. And like I said, I think it really is something that a lot of people struggle with. And it is something that I hear a lot from people who enroll in my course. Maternity leave in particular is often this opportunity to really consider the life you want to create going forward. It's like a golden moment to pause and be really intentional about the choices ahead and consider, do I really want to continue with the life that I've been living up to now? Or do I want to take this opportunity to create a new chapter in my life? And just having that time out, I think, first of all, it gives you the space to think about it. And then it gives you a glimpse that you can actually go forward in a different direction. You don't have to continue what you were doing before. And it really goes to show how often we can just live out of habit and just go through the motions with our daily lives or our work or how we show up rather than actually doing what we really want to do. And it's just, it's so important to really kind of check in with ourselves to see, am I actually living my life the way that I want to live it? And this applies to so many different aspects of our life. It can be how we eat. It can be how we create our homes, how we, you know, what type of work we do. So it's really important to check in with ourselves and ask, are we really happy with where we're at and what we're doing? And this in many ways goes back to the idea that I was sharing in the first episode of the podcast, that if you only have this one life to live, how are you going to spend your time and your days? Are you going to do something that you love or pursue something that brings you joy and makes every day better? You know, when you get that buzz of excitement with what you do and honestly, what I'm doing right now, I, I don't actually feel like I work. It's such, it brings me such enjoyment. As I've mentioned, I've been working on this studio project and I really love it seeing all the changes and working through the problems and problem solving. It really is such 
a joy to do and it really brings me so much pleasure. Before I ask the first question of our, or answer the first question of our reader though, I just want to address her situation a little bit more. She said, I soon became disillusioned with design due to a ruthless boss who stole my confidence. As a result, I pivoted my career into marketing. So I just want to address this situation with the ruthless boss because we've all had those. I've certainly had my share of those. I mean, ruthless is perhaps not a word I would use to describe them, but I've certainly had bosses or managers that have really not made me feel great about going to work. And I think we've all worked in places where we've been made feel less than. And corporate culture in general is a real thing. You know, there's often all these power hierarchies and there's so much politics that can go into large corporations. And that's something that I do not miss at all about working in a corporate atmosphere. With my experience, it was in one case in, in particular, well, actually two cases, it was working with people who were incredibly moody. Now, I'm not a moody person. I can, you know, I can have a lot of energy and, and things like that, but I'm not moody. And I certainly don't take it out on other people. That is just not the way that I operate. And I worked with a couple of people who were like that in different jobs. And you just didn't know what you were going to be dealing with from one day to the next. One day they were your best friend and another day you sort of were avoiding them at all costs. I've also worked with ego-driven bosses where it's really all about them and they kind of created a bit of a clique around them and I didn't like that either. Um, I should add, I really do want to say that this was not when I was working at Real Living. In actual fact, that was the complete opposite of that, but I'll talk about that in a minute. Because my personality, I'm really, I'm very polite in the workplace. I'm incredibly non-confrontational to the point where actually it's a bit of a problem and I hate conflict. To be working in those kind of environments where people are moody or there's kind of like an ego-driven boss, it really wasn't a great environment to be in because I just felt so frustrated by it, but I just also didn't want to speak out or confront them because I was very much in a junior role at the time. But in my head, I would always say and think like, I can't wait to get out of here. And maybe even like, I'll show you I'm better than this. I don't like being treated this way. And I very much had a plan. One time in particular, I gave myself two years to gain the experience that I felt was necessary. And I was really counting down every single day. I realized that I needed to gain the skills within that particular role. And I felt that two years was a good time to have on my resume. That was the way I was working. I was really focused on my resume. And I think that's one of the things that as you get older and more progressed in your career, your resume actually becomes less of a thing, even your portfolio to an extent, because people know you and they understand about you based on, you know, they see your work and you become, I guess, more and more of a public figure in many ways. And so people aren't asking to see, you know, well, what work have you done? And now nowadays websites really become our online portfolios as well. And as I mentioned, I, I really had a plan in my mind. I didn't want to, you know, stay there for too long. And I sort of really felt that I just had to wait out that time. But if I had my time again, 
I actually don't think that I would do that. I just think that I would bite the bullet and leave that job because there's no point being miserable for two years. But in many ways, and look, there were some people I worked with and they were amazing and I'm actually still friends with them to this day. But the overall culture of the place was something that I just did not like at all. And um, I... So I will, I do want to say that if anyone is listening out there and if you're in a job that you don't like or you have a boss who makes your toes curl, then I would really say just get out of there. It's not good for you and you really are worth more than that. There is always another way. It's also really important to be aware of the energy of the people you choose to around, surround yourself with. This is true for bosses, employees friends and even family members. I think we've all got somebody probably in our family that we just feel sapped or drained or they just really rub us the wrong way. And we don't have to surround ourselves with people who really bring us down in that way. I think that is something that I've really learned as I get older, that I don't actually have to surround myself with people who bring the energy down or my energy down and it's really something that is a choice and that is our choice whether we choose to be with those people or not and we need to be aware of the ramifications of that that what happens when we surround ourselves with people like that so i'm a big believer that it's really important who you choose to work with that is something i've certainly noticed with this built project that we've been working on with the studio we have actually a really great team and there's such good energy around the whole process. So I've been designing it and working with someone in my team and she's been drafting all the documents. We've been working with the carpenter and he is really collaborative. We have had a really good experience together. He has been, um, he educates me and I listen to him and respect him. And he also listens to me and respects my choices too. So it's been a really great collaborative process. And that is one of the big things that I've learned about from working on this particular project, how important it is, the people that you surround yourself with, whether it comes to creative projects or even, you know, like I said, within the workplace or family or friends. And it's the same when I work with photographers. There are some photographers that, um, I mean, look, most of them have been amazing, but there have been one or two along the way and there might have been a bit of ego involved or whatever it is. And you just quickly learn that you're far better to work with people who there is a mutual level of respect and you really have the same kind of energy or the same kind of outlook and you want to get the same things from the project. Because when there's like this strong sense of hierarchy or if they're not sort of encouraging of you, even if they do have more experience, it can really bring a dampener on the project and your confidence as well. And speaking of which, our reader was saying about how she had lost her confidence throughout the, this whole process. She asked, how did you pluck up the courage to follow your dreams? Did it feel like you were taking risks during the process? What I would say to that is that certainly during those times when I really knew that I was not in a job that I loved or that I wanted to be in long term, I always knew that I would get out of it. I always knew that I wouldn't be in it forever. And I was always planning what would be my next steps. And I think that's something really worthwhile thinking about is to really think in terms of small steps. Okay, what's my next plan? But also have a bit of a big 
goal plan in your mind? Like what would be your dream scenario? Think about that and really sort of work on baby steps to get out of there and move forward. And the more that you kind of open yourself up to that, then the more it becomes a possibility too. So, and it's something that I actually still do to this day. You know, I have lots of dreams and goals and I mean, I'm obviously doing things that I love right now, but I have even even bigger dreams and goals. And the only way that I'm ever going to get there is by taking small steps to get towards that point. As for risk, I've always made sure that I do have some level of security. For me, though, I've also always known that no matter what, I can always, you know, if, if worse came to worse, I could always get a job just doing something, you know, working in a bookshop or working in a cafe or whatever. Like that's never worried me so much. I know that we can always find a way out of us so solutions or our problems. And I think a good question to ask yourself is what's the worst that could happen? So if you're wanting to pursue something in the creative industries, if you've got a particular idea in mind, what's the worst that could happen? You might go to a job interview, you might not get it. Well, okay, you didn't get the job, but I'm sure that you would have learned something by that experience. It might have forced you to pull your CV together or your portfolio together, and you have something to show for that, and you're one step further along on your journey. There is always something we can learn from these experiences, and we really need to focus on the good that comes out of it, not the bad. So not that, oh, I didn't get the job. Oh, what's the point in trying? But think, oh, well, I didn't get the job, but I, you know, I got a bit more confidence in speaking to people in that kind of situation, or I got my portfolio together or whatever it is. And you just never know where it's going to take you to. The other thing that I would say to that is that, you know, if somebody doesn't like you, then there's always going to be someone that doesn't like you. We can't all be the best thing to everybody. I think it's, um, oh gosh, Elizabeth Gilbert. And she uses the analogy of a peach. And she says something like, you know, you might have this amazing ripe peach and it might be incredibly sweet and juicy and delicious, but there's always going to be someone out there that says, I don't like peaches. You know, we can't all be everything for everyone. So don't worry if you're not the right peach or somebody doesn't like peaches. You know, don't worry about whether people like you or whether they like your ideas. There will be enough, there's enough people out there that there will be some people who do. And it's the same with if somebody doesn't buy your product or service, you've just got to keep trying because as I said, there will be somebody out there and you just keep trying and you've got to have that tenacity. There is always a way. So what I would suggest to you is write down your options, you know, really think about what you would like to be and how you're going to get there. Educate yourself, read books and podcasts. There's, um, an American, uh, I don't know how I would describe her, life coach, maybe business coach. She's called Marie Folio and she's got a book called Everything is Figure Outable. And it's basically this way is that there is always a way. We can always find a way, so don't give up. And there's another great book called Grit. And really it's this idea that the people who get the furthest in life, they're not necessarily the most talented necessarily in their field. It's that their talent, they have a level of talent, but they don't give up and they keep trying and they keep practicing 
And that is something that I say to the students in my course all the time is that we only get better when we keep trying and keep doing the work. Something else that I would say as well is that there's a great podcast called, um, it's called The Life Coach School by Brooke Castillo. And she's got so many great tips and advice on really sort of being aware of your own thoughts and that our thoughts create our actions, our actions create our feelings, which create our results. So this is the model that she talks about, but it's it's so true. I mean, it comes back to so much of what I have read in, you know, when you look at Viktor Frankl and all of these um, writers or, um, oh gosh, uh, Eckhart Tolle, you know, with A New Earth and all of those types of books, but it's so true. And it's quite a timeless idea that we have a choice with what we think. So you have a choice to be, choose fear or to choose courage. So that is your choice. You don't, nobody's forcing you to be fearful. That is your choice. As I said, I would really recommend as well, creating a roadmap of where you want to go and how you're going to get there. Ask yourself, what can I do today to move forward? What can I do? What steps can I take? to help me get on this right journey. There are so many things that you could do. You can set yourself up a work-related Instagram account. You could start pulling a portfolio together. I mean, you just said creative industry, so I don't know if it's styling, if it's interior design. Let's just say it's interior design. Then maybe there's something you can do within your own home or a friend's home or a family member's home, or you can do some sketches or do something, create, you know, palette mood boards and show what you're capable of and slowly start sharing that on Instagram, put it out on Pinterest, slowly create a website, go and do an internship. Like what are the things that you can do to really start moving forward on this journey and just be really conscious of the energy of the people that you come across? Because as much as there are people out there who are ruthless and moody, there are a lot that aren't. So you've got to find those amazing people. And there are, like if you try your hardest and people can see that and you bring good energy to a space, people will want to have you on their team too. The other thing that I would say is focus on all the things that you can do, not what you can't do. So again, we have a choice in terms of how we choose to see what's happening to us or what steps we want to take or what action we want to take. So really focus on being proactive, not reactive. And this is also came up a lot when I was reading Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And it's one of those things that's quite obvious, but it's so true that the people who get the furthest are really proactive. They're always looking, how can I solve this problem? How can I get to the next step? How can I get to the next stage? So that is another book that I would recommend. I actually listened to it as an audiobook and I got so much out of it. And again, for me, I didn't feel like I was taking a risk because I was always focused on the small steps, you know, getting an interview, producing the best work that I could finding ways to promote my work and creating a community of like-minded people. The next question that our reader asked is, did you have to overcome any negative feedback as a designer? If so, how did you overcome that negativity? To be honest, when I was doing lots of my sort of styling shoots for various magazines, editors actually don't give you that much feedback. They might say, love it, or they might say, great or they might just not say anything at all. And then you know that they don't really like it. 
But that can be come down to a whole host of reasons as well. I don't necessarily think it's me, I'm bad, I can't do the job. Sometimes it's that um, the time constraints were too hard or you weren't able to call in enough products or the key pieces didn't turn up. So I know that sometimes there's a valid reason why something hasn't turned out exactly the way that I would want it to. And again, not everyone is going to love everything you do, but you really can't let that hold you back from trying. You're only going to learn by doing the work and you're only going to improve by doing the work. I'm going to finish on a great quote by Ara Glass. It's a little bit of a long one, but I think it's worth um, listening to. It's something that I've read a few times over the years and I think he really gets it on point. This is what he says. Nobody tells this to people who are beginners. I wish someone had told me. All of us who do creative work, we get into it because we have good taste, but there is this gap. For the first couple of years, you make stuff and it's not that good. It's trying to be good. It has potential, but it's not. But your taste, the thing that got you into the game, is still killer. And your taste is why your work disappoints you. A lot of people never get past this phase. They quit. Most people I know who do interesting creative work went through years of this. We know our work doesn't have the special thing that we want it to have. We all go through this. And if you are just starting out or you are still in this phase, you've got to know it's normal. And the most important thing you can do is the most important thing you can do is do a lot of work. Put yourself on a deadline so that every week you will finish one story. It is only by going through a volume of work that you will close that gap and your work will be as good as your ambitions. And I took longer to figure out how to do this than anyone I've ever met. It's going to take a while. It's normal to take a while. You've just got to fight your way through it. And so there you go. Be tenacious, have that grit, keep trying, go one step in front of the other, just keep trying. And I promise you, you will get further than you ever imagined, but you've really got to stay the course. All right, everyone, I hope this helps you if you're trying to find courage on whatever you're working on. You'll find show notes for this episode at nataliewalton.com forward slash podcast forward slash 22. I'd love to know what you think. So please send me a message at nataliewalton on Instagram or email podcast at nataliewalton.com and send through any questions or design dilemmas you may have. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review also and spread the love on Instagram. Thank you to Jaeger Media for producing this podcast and the people of the Bunjalong Nation where it was recorded. Once again, thank you for joining me today and I look forward to connecting again soon. I'm Natalie Walton and you've been listening to Imprint. Imprint.